0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want you to turn to the first book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew. Uh, Keep turning right till you get to chapter 11. Scroll down to... Verse 28, put your finger there and hold it there. Grab a note sheet. Uh, we're going to camp out right there uh, today. You know, we're, I noticed that in our community, we're a tired people. Uh, now, I'm not talking about physically tired, even though that's true, isn't it? Um, one day I was at a family reunion and sitting next to my brother in law and I said, I'm tired. I don't know what's wrong with me. He said, You're an adult. That's what's wrong with you. <laughs> you're, you're tired, especially some of, you, um, uh, some of you parents, especially you moms of young children. You, you look a little rough today. Um, no, <laughs> uh, you, well, you should. You've earned it, whether you look rough or not. Um, you know, there, uh, some, a young mom asked me not long ago, Pastor, you know, I've got these young kids, and I'm wanting to do this. Uh, it was just all this. <sighs> How am I... What do I do? And I said, Well, there's a, there's a Bible verse that says this just get through it. <laughs> Actually, I lied. There is no Bible verse that says that. Uh, but that is a, some, you know, th- this season will pass uh, when you've got young kids. And there are just seasons in life when we're tired physically, we're tired uh, mentally because of the demands coming our way, we're tired emotionally because of the pressures. But that's not the kind of tired that I'm speaking of. The Bible speaks of. Um, a kind of tired that's a much deeper tired than physical exhaustion. Uh, It speaks in terms of a weariness of soul, a weariness of soul, a a deep weariness of our soul. And and the scriptures say, and then many writers say, uh, as well down through history, that at some point, in the life of every human being, we find ourselves burdened in our soul, weary and tired in our soul. How do we get this way? Well, our problem is we, we we do get this way, but we don't know how, and then we don't know what to do about it. Well, the solutions found in the passage of Scripture we're going to deal with today, it's found in, again, Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 through 30, one of the most beautiful Uh, sayings of our Lord Jesus, one of the most memorable sayings of our Lord Jesus, one of the most familiar passages uh, in the teachings of our our Lord Jesus, and um, here it goes. I want you to follow along as I read. This is God's Word. Jesus is speaking, and He's speaking to a crowd of primarily Jewish people, some of them religious leaders of the day, and He said this, Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." This is God's Word. Lord, open our eyes that we may see it and understand it. We find here um, uh, there are several times when Jesus in His Word and in the Scriptures offers an invitation to us. Come, come. We see it several times. This is one of those. It's an invitation. Come to me, He says. And it's an invitation for you and me to find rest, not just physical rest, not just Uh, mental rest, not just a few days vacation. He's saying, come to me. It's an invitation uh, to find relief from the weariness of our soul, the burdened, wearied soul. So what do we do here? Well, he tells us several things. Uh, You can go ahead and jot these down on your note. He says, come, take, and learn. Come to me, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. Now, I'm going to unpack those just a little bit. Come to me, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. Come, take, learn. Write down those three verbs. Verbs are always the most important words in the Scripture when we uh, come to them to help us understand um, what God wants us to know, be, and, and do. So he says, if you are weary in your soul, burdened in your soul, a deep tiredness that two weeks at the beach won't take care of, that another day at Six Flags, oh my gosh, will not take care of, You know, uh, fun fixes are great, Um, fun fixes and and fun stuff and adventures are great, but they won't touch the weariness of our soul. So what do we do? Well, he says, first of all, to you and me, if you want rest for your soul, come to me. Now, notice, first of all here, the first thing that struck me was that he didn't say what I, I thought he might say. He didn't say, come to God. He didn't say, come to God. He said, come to me, come to me. What he's saying is what he said frequently while he was in his ministry on earth. There are those who will say, you Christians, you keep saying Jesus is God. Jesus never claimed to be God. Oh, yes, he did. And here's another another time when he was doing it. Now, this is not familiar to you and me, but to the people who were hearing him, the, um, uh, the religious leaders of first century Judaism, of the Jewish faith, the scribes and the Pharisees, they had the, the, uh, the scholars and the religious leaders, maybe some of the rabbis that were in the crowd uh, checking him out. And then all of those first century Jews who had been raised in the Jewish faith, they were very familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. In fact, they had a greater commitment to the scriptures than we Christians today, certainly in our church, including me, typically have. They would commit to memory vast, vast, vast portions of the Scripture. Entire books, many of them several books. They would would have them memorized. They knew exactly what Jesus was doing. And they knew that Jesus was actually taking a very familiar passage to them, Jeremiah the writings of the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, that Jesus was taking this passage and making a subtle change that had significance. He was doing it on purpose. If you will turn back to Jeremiah, don't do it now, but we won't have time. But just in Jeremiah 6, 16, uh, you will find that he that, that that passage basically says, This is what the Lord says. Do these certain things and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. Soul rest. And yet, Jesus exchanged the word Lord for the pronoun me. He didn't say come to the Lord and do these things and you will find rest for your souls like The the Hebrew scripture said, he said in the hearing of everybody who knew that passage, come to me, not the Lord. In other words, he's saying, I am the Lord. I am the fulfillment of Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. I am no less than God come in the flesh, and I have the power to give you rest for soul weariness. He was claiming to be no less than God. So we come to Jesus for rest because Jesus is God. Now, it's, it's common today uh, for people to say, uh, you know, all the religions worship the same God, they just call him different names. Isn't that right, Pastor? And my answer to that is no. We just call them different names. No, 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 no. Christians do not worship the same God as we worship Jesus. Christians, and say, well, that's new to me. Well, it's not new to the Christian faith. For over 2,000 years, Christians have worshiped Jesus as God, the Word of God who took on flesh and dwelt among us. We worship Jesus as God, and He claimed to be no less than God come in uh, the flesh. And so He is the one, therefore, who made you and me. He is the one who knows you and me like no one else. And therefore, He is the one who knows what we need when we find ourselves weary and burdened in our souls. He is the only one. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy your soul. Do you want to see who God is? I'd really like to know who God is. I'd really like to know what God is like. Then look at the man, Jesus. Look at Jesus. Study Jesus. He is, he is God. Now we are Christians, uh, Protestant Christians. Protestant Christianity is celebrating uh, the 500th anniversary of the uh, Protestant Reformation uh, this year. I'd encourage you to do some reading about that in church history and uh, see all that God did. We are the recipients of what happened then. Well, Martin Luther, the great reformer, who kicked off the Protestant Reformation of the church 500 years ago, in his lectures to his divinity students, said these words, Stop speculating about the Godhead and climbing into heaven to see who or what or how God is. Hold on to this man Jesus. He's the only God we've got. He's not only the God of the Christians. He is the only God. No other gods exist. No other gods exist. And so uh, so what does this mean when Jesus says, come to me, come to me? Well, first of all, if you're not a Christian, it means... Believe on Jesus. It means become a follower of Jesus. It means be saved. It means be born again. It means leave what you are depending on to bring meaning and fulfillment to your life and come to me as the only one who can give you rest for your soul. It means become a Christian. And it means to become a Christian. It means to lay down your pride, lay down your self-sufficiency, lay down your self-righteousness. It means to lay down every other person or thing or idea that you are depending upon to prove yourself or to solve the weariness of your soul. Lay that down. It means to lay down your resistance to Jesus. It means to intentionally lay down whatever that is deep down in your soul that causes you to hang on to a rebellious uh, uh, rebellion against believing in Jesus. To lay down your refusal to believe in Jesus in spite of all the evidence, which many in his his uh, those hearers in the crowd. Uh, had been guilty of. I'm going to come back to that in the next couple of weeks of the nature of unbelief. He's saying it's to lay all of that down. It means to stop suppressing the truth to yourself. As Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that every human being has the capacity to do and does do. It sometimes when we resist God, we are saying, well, it's just not. To, we have the ability to suppress the truth so that we lie to ourselves and begin to believe our own lie. He says, lay all of that down and instead repent of your sin, place your faith in Jesus as your only God and Savior and surrender your life to Him. He says, because I'm the only one who can satisfy your soul. Come to, to me. You say, Pastor, are you saying we, that there are no legitimate intellectual questions or objections to Jesus and who He is and we just should just believe it because you say so? Listen to me. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. See, we are, not a, we are not a church that just believes, that says, well, you just need to believe these faith assertions and not question. In fact, I came to faith without, with great questions. It, Jesus invites questions. Our church exists for, for you to ask your honest, big questions and bring your doubts about Jesus and who He is and all this Christian faith stuff and seek, seek the answers to those things. So I'm not saying don't think. But I am saying at some point there's a place where we realize I'm still withholding Jesus and there's evidence. He's saying lay all of that down and come to me because I can satisfy your soul. So if you're not a Christian, come to me means be saved. If you are a Christian like me this morning, and most of us probably in this room, to come to Christ means that from time to time we find ourselves forgetting Jesus, forgetting his gospel, forgetting his grace, forgetting what he accomplished when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, as the only person sufficient to to cleanse our life, to approve our life, to bring meaning and beauty and satisfaction to our life, and we begin to pursue other people or possessions or or things to try to uh, you know, beautify life and make it good again. If I only have this possession, or if I only have this person, or if I only have this uh, this position, or if I have in our culture, we've uh, got to pursue physical beauty, or I've got to pursue intellectual accomplishment and brain power, or I've got to be a financial uh, success, or I've got to get fame, which is a curse, by the way. Um, and it, then, then, yes, even yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I need Jesus. It's the Jesus plus something plan. Then then, then that'll be it. No, 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 no. He said, no, you're forgetting. Only I can satisfy your soul. And so for those of us Christians who forget from time to time, he's saying, come back. Remember me. Come to me. And he gives us this invitation. Who's it for? Look at it. All of you who are weary and burdened. Now circle that little word all there. I've told you before and I did it again this week. I pulled out all of my... Uh, Greek word studies, and I, I studied this word all, and I discovered that the real meaning of this word is like all, everybody. At some time, if we have not come to Jesus, we find ourselves with weariness of soul. Everybody, and this invitation is to everyone. You are not excluded. You are not excluded. It's to all, all of you who are weary and burdened. There is an invitation here to find rest. So, what is rest? It is the solution to the weariness of heart, listen closely, that comes from the burden of trying to justify yourself, that comes from the burden of trying to prove. Yourself. That comes from the burden of trying to earn the acceptance and favor of God. That comes from the burden of trying to earn or, or get value from the acceptance of other people. That comes from the burden of trying to earn the acceptance and approval from your own self. It's burdensome. So let me give a disclaimer here. Jesus, I, I and let me make an admission. I went back. I've preached on this passage, taught on this passage several times here in this church over the last thirty years. I went back and looked at all those messages, and I think I mishandled the scripture. Ye, that's the that's a rough thing for a pastor and a preacher to look at and realize what was I thinking? Now I was not way off base, but I was too general about this. So let me let me clarify and give you a a qualifier or a disclaimer here. There's some things that Jesus is not referring to here. There are some things Jesus is not referring to here. He is not saying, he's not referring to being free from the difficulties of this life. He's not saying we can be free from the trials of this life. He's not saying that we we can be free from the responsibilities of this life. Nowhere are followers of Jesus promised to be exempt from working for a living. Nowhere are the followers of Jesus exempted from times of sorrow or sickness or trials that come... In this life, and we got a room full of brothers and sisters in Christ in this church who are suffering hard times right now. We're not exempted from that, and He never promises that. There is a time promised when there will be, the Bible says, no more tears and no more sorrow. There is a time and place, and it's called heaven, and this is not it. Now, we should be able to look around really quick and realize, this is not heaven. This is not heaven. And so, if you get those two confused, you're going to be really disappointed in this life. It's not going to make sense. There is a time promised, but we are not exempted. This invitation from Jesus here does not mean, listen, does not mean that coming to Jesus will bring you a pain free and problem free life. Does not. Does not. We all need Jesus because life is hard and it might not get easier. Jesus is talking about something much more specific here, uh, not just a vague uh, sense of spiritual longing that all all people have. He's not talking about that here. Uh, There is an invitation to find rest for our souls. Now, let's go back to the people he was talking to. Jesus was addressing a crowd that day, who were out of a religious system, first century uh, Judaism, that was burdensome. Uh, there were so many rules and regulations that had been uh, created and by the scribes and the rabbis, the religious leaders of the day, and, and formalized and laid on top of all of the moral and ethical demands of God in the Old Testament, and, the, and the, the, the spiritual leaders of the day, the priests and the rabbis, sought to teach and enforce those on all of the, uh, the followers of Judaism. And it was just a heavy burden. Nobody could do them all. They couldn't, they couldn't follow up on them all. Uh, they believed we have to do this right or we will not be accepted by God. We will not be accepted by our people in our faith community. And I really won't be approved of by my own self. I can't do it. I'm just. They became weary and burdened in their souls over trying to make this work out right in life be good. No one could do it. Now today, for those of us here, it, it really does not matter whether you are religious at all, whether you are a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, whether you're a person of some kind of faith or no faith at all. It really doesn't matter because... We all know, even though we try to suppress this truth uh, today, we all know that there, deep down, viscerally, viscerally. We know deep down that there is a standard. We have a standard. There are some things that are right. There are some things that are wrong. There are some things that are good and right. There are some things that are not. It really doesn't, doesn't matter. We know that there's a standard, and here's what else we know. We can't keep it. We can't keep it. We can't keep up with it down down. We all know we all know that uh, we should be honest and truthful and trustworthy, don't we? And yet we find that we can't we not we aren't always consistent there. Uh, we all know that we should love our neighbors better than we do, but we also know that we can't seem to keep doing it. We all know that we should be gracious in our speech, but we're not. We also we all know that we should honor and care for our parents, but we find that we can't always and don't always do it. We all know that we should treat all people, all people on the planet with love and respect and dignity. Yet we find that not only can't we consistently do it, sometimes we find that we don't even want to do it. We all know that we shouldn't gossip about the preacher, but we do. And so, um Maybe not, hopefully not, but uh, we, we all we all know these these things we all know we should do our best on our jobs, but we also know that we cannot do these things all the time, and that we have not done all these things perfectly or consistently, and we also know that no matter what our own internal standards are, wherever you are, you may totally say, "I reject Jesus, I reject his teaching, I reject all the world religions, but you have your own standard." And in your heart of hearts, you know, you can't even keep your own. I can't even keep my own. And so we've got this weariness of how do I even live up to my own rotten standards? And they're like way low. How do I do do that? I can't can't do that. I can't keep it up. And so we become weary and burdened in our soul because we can't seem to get a sense of approval or beauty in this life. We're burdened by it all. Yet Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. See, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only He can do it. Remember, when we come to Jesus, we we do so by admitting finally that we can't keep even our own standards. We admit it. We admit uh, much less His. And we admit that we are an abysmal failure, a moral and spiritual failure, sinful, separated from God. And And so instead we trust in Him. And what He did when He died on the cross and rose from the dead to make appropriate payment for our sin, for our sin, in our place. He took credit for it. He picked up the tab. He, took, he had it applied to His account, marked it paid in full, and then applied to us. And when we trusted in Him to apply that to us personally, He gave us His credit. We were declared righteous out there, up there in God's courtroom the, the record of our transgressions were blotted out by His mercy and grace. We were washed from our iniquity, even that framework toward sinfulness. We've been cleansed from our sin like a cleanser on our hearts so that God says He became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So when He looks at us and says, oh, you're perfect, you're just like Jesus. We go, well, I'm not, well, I'm not. That, we, yeah, but, yeah, but that's the way, you, but you're getting credit for it. He so, said, That's amazing. Grace. That's where we got the title. Didn't deserve... So we don't deserve it. Of course you didn't. That's why it's grace. And so when we do that, He, Jesus, lifts our burden of having to prove ourselves, earn God's favor. um, And so we can say, as we've learned to pray here around our church, in Christ... Thank you, Lord, that in Christ... Now that I'm in Jesus, there's nothing I can do to make you love me more or accept me better. And there's nothing I can do to make you reject me or love me less because I'm in Christ. That's amazing. And now, Lord, your your approval and your presence is all I need for everlasting joy. The joy of the Lord becomes our strength. You see, we exchange weariness of soul. For the joy of the Lord that is our strength. This deep inner sense of well-being. We may be having hard times in life because remember, life's hard. Life's hard. But knowing God and walking with Jesus is not. People say the Christian life is the hardest thing you'll ever do. No, 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 no. A misunderstanding of the Christian life is the hardest thing you'll ever do. The Christian life, Jesus says, he describes it how here? Easy and light. Easy and light. So I wasn't raised in a church like that. Yeah, I know. They got it wrong. Because take it up with Jesus. If you know me and you walk with me, my my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Because of grace, he makes this being reconciled to God and living life with him. That's, the, that's where the joy in life comes from. That's where the, the ease in the life uh, and it comes from. He says, this, so come to me because I'm the only one who can satisfy your soul. And then he says two things, take my, up my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now let's talk about the yoke for a second. How many of you have a yoke in your basement or storage room right now? You got one? not one person. I didn't think so. We might, if we could all load up on the bus and go to Cracker Barrel, we might find one on the wall. You know if you could go to some some restaurant that's trying to create a an, an agricultural or a farmer's uh decor kind of a setting you might find a, a an oak for yoxen for yoxen oxen up on the wall there pray for my tongue i don't have the gift of tongues and so uh, the so you, you a yoke was a was a wooden bar with with two loops around it that uh Farmers would take their beast of burden, donkeys or oxen or horses or mules, and they would yoke them together and that yoke would spread the work out evenly across the shoulders of those beasts of burden uh, so that it was easier to carry the burden and do the work. Jesus says to us, take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? Well, when, when an oxen was placed into a yoke by its owner, its master, it gave up two things. It gave up control of two things. The oxen no longer had control of its direction and it no longer had control of its pace. The master or the farmer determined the direction. He was yoked so he could direct the oxen and he gave up pace, how fast or slow we are going to go. When Jesus says, Come to me and take up my take my yoke upon you, he's describing what that really means. It means we give up something. We give up control. We give up control of the direction of our life and we give up control of the pace. He determines what we do, where we go, how we do it. And He is inviting you and me to do the same thing. And we do this daily. We give up control of our direction and pace. We take His yoke upon us daily because we need daily reminders. We forget. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, we are commanded uh, to... Uh, Because of the grace and mercy of God, we are to submit ourselves to God, our bodies to God as living sacrifices. And the old comic saying of preachers is, the problem with living sacrifices is they tend to keep crawling off the altar. And we do. The old hymn writer said, about us prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And we forget and get over here and try to prove ourselves some other way. We forget Jesus. And so we need daily reminders. So we take His yoke upon us daily. We take up our cross daily and follow Him. We submit ourselves to Him daily as living sacrifices. We, we give up control of the direction of our life and control of the pace of our life. We give Him control because i got to tell you, Jesus is not going to come into your life if you just want him to help you out a little bit. I just want to add Jesus to my, oh, I've got this personal development plan. I believe if I added Jesus to my personal development plan, boy, I'd be awesome then. No, 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 no. Jesus is not a part of your personal development plan. He says, throw that plan away. i got the plan. Take my yoke upon you. You take up a new plan. See, Jesus didn't come to help you out. He came to take over. He either takes over or he doesn't show up. You won't rest for your weary soul. You come to Jesus. He didn't come, he didn't come to you. You come to Jesus. You give up control of your life. Rest for your souls. And then he said, and then learn of me. Learn of me. This means entering into a life of discipleship. A life of discipleship. Now, this, this, um, the word disciple literally means learner. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you are literally a learner of Jesus and you are learning not about Him so much as you are learning to know Him because we follow a person. Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is not an idea. Christianity is a person. His name is Jesus and we become Christians by entering into a relationship with Him and learning of Him means walking with Him and learning uh, who He is and what He's like And loving Him more deeply, and as we do, we are transformed into Him, to His will and His ways. You see, there's still a yoke and there's still a burden. All of the commands in Scripture, all of God's commands, all of His ethical and moral standards and demands are still in place because um, rest of soul does not mean lawlessness. It does not mean that we, 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 we break any of God's moral and ethical standards, and nor, nor are we free to do so. See, when it comes to following Jesus, when we follow Jesus, the rules are the same. The reasons change. We begin to follow Him because we love Him. And we find that when we learn of Him, when we take His yoke upon us, we find that He, watch this, He takes up residence in our life by His Holy Spirit, and He progressively not all at once he progressively for the rest of our life on this earth turns us into the kind of people with a with a desire in our hearts to love and obey his will and his ways and empowers us to do so so that we do so naturally he one of the old testament writers described that god writes his law in our hearts he puts it in our hearts. He, he goes to work in us. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, as I say it frequently to you and me, says that God's Holy Spirit is at work in us both to desire and to do what pleases Him. He, he creates in us the right desire. Martin Luther, again, the great reformer, was asked one time by a man, who said, I'm concerned about sin. what can I do and what can I not do? What can I do? What can I not do? He just said this. He said, love Jesus and do as you wish. Because he knew that Jesus had changed the man's wisher. He said, love God and do as you want. Love Jesus and do whatever you want. Well, whatever you... He changes your wanter to begin to want what Jesus wants for you. Dr. Adrian Rogers, who long-time pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, used to say this. He said, i sin all I want to. I just don't want to anymore. That's what happens. He begins to change our w- wanter. He is at work in us both to desire and to do. Uh, worldwide today, we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday in the Christian, on the Christian calendar, Christians around the world, the day when God sent the Holy Spirit and formed the church. The great teaching of Jesus is that he, when we follow Him, when we come to Him, He comes to indwell us by His Holy Spirit and He empowers us to Do this, spend the rest of your life learning. So, here's what I want you to do. Here's some actions. I say this frequently first of all, learn of Jesus by spending time in His Word. I'm asking you once again to come to Jesus and then spend time in His Word. So, you tell us that all the time, Pastor. Yes, I know. Here goes again. Going to keep it up because He comes to us in His Word. I'm asking you. To take this next year and spend your time in the four Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John first. They're the four eyewitness accounts of the person, the life, and the, the words, and the work, and the life of Jesus. This is where you're going to get to know him. And you're going to find, so, so read them through over and over carefully. And then the next time, get down on your knees and pray through all four saying, Lord, show me. And you're going to observe his words, his teaching. You're going to observe his way of living. And you're going to observe his actions, his power. And you're going to say, there's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. He's going to reveal Himself to you. But He said, you've got to learn of me. you got to walk with me. you got to get yoked with me. And, and let me just say, compliment some of you. Some of you have decided to become consistent in attending the gathering of our weekly worship service. Good, good. Because we'll open the Scriptures there and teach you of Jesus. But look at me. That's not enough. That's not enough. You can say, I used to, you know, used to be sporadic or never came. Now, I'm, you know, I'm there pretty consistently. Good. Good. You must be. You need to be. It is necessary. It is necessary, but it's not enough for you to learn of Jesus. If this is all you do, you're not going to make it. You must also get in a life group and study the scriptures with other people. I'm in a men's group. We study uh, about Jesus and learn of Jesus together. You must do this. You must do this. Some of you, we've got over a thousand adults in life groups right now. You must, you must do this and study the Scriptures t- together and be in fellowship with a group. It'll help you uh, make good friends and grow spiritually. It is necessary. It is necessary. But it's not enough. If that's all you do, you, you're not going to learn. You're not going to get to know Jesus better. I'm just telling you, you're not. You're not. There is a daily time when you alone with Jesus get with Him and meet with Him, and you study His Word alone daily, you take up your cross daily, you submit yourself as a living sacrifice daily. We come to Jesus daily. And you study it, uh, you, you begin to learn. We will teach you how to do this, but you must do this. This, because again, you meet with Jesus, and He will show up, and He will mentor you to reveal Himself to you, and train you, and change your heart, and, turn, and, and enable you to live the way He wants you to live for His good pleasure. But that is essential. And until you get there, you're stuck. You're going to find yourself more and more consistently weary of soul. Weary of soul. Come to me. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn. And learn of me. Go with me. This is a type—a lifelong learning of Jesus, moving deeper, deeper into intimacy, knowledge of, enjoyment of, and love of Jesus. He said, "Knowing me is eternal life. That is eternal life. Get to know me." Somebody asked me, Pastor, we're in the thirtieth year of our church. We've been celebrating thirty years. What's our goal for forty years? I don't know all our goals for 40 years, but I do know know this. My desire for you is that 10 years from now, you will be typified as a person who knows Jesus and your yoke is easy and your burden is light. That you have learned that the joy of the Lord is your strength and that you find in Him the one who can sustain you. Now, we'll teach you how to have a daily quiet time in the Grow Seminar. It's going to be offered next Sunday morning here on our campus. Sign up with your little sign-up sheet today. We're going to take one of the things we teach you is how to begin having a daily time alone learning of Jesus from, from Him. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now life is hard. Life is hard. But being made right with Jesus and walking through life with Him in good relationship to Him and being fully accepted by God, that's not hard. He says it's easy and light. Easy and light. St. Augustine, in his book, confe- book one of his Confessions, wrote this prayer Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. Pray with me. If you've never come to Jesus, here's what you do repent of your sin, believe in Jesus. And commit control of your life to Him. The direction and pace of your life in eternity. I'm asking you to do that now. If you have forgotten Jesus, come back. Tell Him in this prayer time. Thank you Lord for hearing these prayers. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword Dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.